0: Do you want to do the intro Lance, or should I do it? I mean,
1: no, you, I think you should go ahead and do it.
0: Tack it up, tack it up, buddy gonna shut you down. It
2: happened on the street where the road is wide. Till cool shorts.
0: Welcome to the Circuit Clouts podcast, the official podcast of United League Baseball, fine purveyors, oh no, no, purveyors of fine fake baseball since 1951. The baseball is fake, but the podcast is real. Welcome back, folks. We're uh, moving on to the second half of our four-part trilogy, and we have with us Glenn Reed. Hello. And Chicago Colts GM Lance Mueller, who's joining us today. Say hello. Howdy, everybody!
1: Hello. Look nice to be here for the second half of this four-part trilogy.
0: The second half of the four-part trilogy is always the better half.
1: So I think that's generally the one that wins the Oscar, yes, or the Razzie,
0: or the only. All right. So uh, we left off last time at the end, just to recap the theme of this series, and you know we're going to try to cram it into uh, two episodes. Is the sixty-one to sixty-four basically it's the 64, 61 to 64 seasons in the UL overall. And the overarching story of those years is the same two teams winning the division, both years, you know, East and West and Brooklyn winning every single world series four to one. So we thought that was interesting, a rare period of UL history where the same two teams met year after year. So um, as we started last time, we thought we would have Lance talk about, the Chicago Colts pre-dynasty? What was going on in Chicago in the 50s? What were the key moves that allowed them to rise up and basically dominate the West for the better part of the 1960s?
1: You know, in the 50s, the the, the Colts were pretty... I mean, they were a decent team for the Midland. I mean, I think the overarching thing that sort of defined the strategy for that team was the ballpark, which was that, you know, when we started the league in 51, I, I, you know, I think one of the great things, and I don't remember what actual real life year that was. Do you remember Tim, what year that actually Uh, was Yeah,
0: 2003?
1: 2003. So I think, you know, at that point, I think Fenway and Wrigley were the last of the sort of the great dames of ballparks left. And I just thought it would be, you know, great to have Wrigley as part of our fake universe, not really knowing much about the ballpark at that point and not knowing what a bandbox that ballpark was and just how, how offensive that park was. And so my great struggle with the team in that whole first decade was just figuring out how to win in that ballpark that was just so offensive, just gave up so many runs and you know, and I think the one thing it did certainly do is it gave me my penchant for loving ground ball pitchers, which I have to this day, even though I pitch I pitch in a ballpark that is is much more pitcher friendly, I still look for ground ball pitchers. And so, you know, I just was sort of struggling to figure out how to put a team together and sort of, You know, we've talked in past podcasts about how pitcher-oriented my teams tend to be. But if you look at those earlier teams, like I was really trying to build teams that had a lot of offense because I was in a ballpark that was going to be very offensive, and I was trying to figure out, like, well, if I'm not going to be able to you know, to, to out pitch them, that I'm just going to have to out hit them. And it never quite worked out for me. And so mm-hmm. I think at some point I just decided like, this is, I'm never going to win in this ballpark. Like I'm not going to be able to figure out how to put a team together to win in this ballpark. So I looked at Kaminsky and, and it sort of was like, oh, look at this ballpark. This is like, I had no idea. This was such a pitcher friendly ballpark. Let me just move across town. Yeah, the, And I think that was really, I mean, that is a big turning point. It's like, mm-hmm. just like, oh, I'm just going to move across town. I'm going to have this pitcher-friendly ballpark all of a sudden. I've already got these guys who are, you know, who are, who are tend to be ground ball pitchers. And, like, I'm just going to try and use that strategy that I was trying to uh, to, to put into place in Wrigley, and I'm just going to do it in Comiskey. And it just, it, I mean, it turned the team completely around, you know, and um Obviously, there was having some losing seasons and having some good draft picks, being able to get guys like Ernie Banks and and Whitey Ford for the time that I did have them, uh, you know, and I think it just sort of allowed me to put a team together. That once I was in a new ballpark, I think just sort of became instantly competitive. Honestly, you know, because when I mean, you look at the sort of lineups and those those teams during those World Series, I mean, you know, I mean, you got Banks in the middle of there, but I mean, you got Norm Cash at first base, who was a masher. You had Don Demeter, who I drafted, who just, I mean, you know, the the <clears throat> the, the Mickey Mantle, Whitey Ford trade was Richie Ashman, but I mean, I turned him around real quick. I think I sent him off to Cleveland to Charlie for something because Don Demeter, I drafted somewhere in, you know, in the late fifties. And he just was, he came out of the box hitting and I was like, well, this guy's my center fielder. Now I think I played him in right or left one season, but then I moved him to center field field. And then I had, you know, I had Joe Adcock, I added a little cock to the, uh, to the situation. I had like basically four mashers, you know, um so it was just like I think with that core sort of offensive lineup and then just being able to get some veterans that's a, the thing about a lot of what was happening there also in the late 50s early 60s is i i was getting guys on the back end of their uh, back end of their career so i mean i got billy pierce who had already had a great uh, first half of his career somewhere else i got carl erskine for just a couple of years and he didn't last too long i think it was yep, maybe yep. he was there for the 61 62 series i think yeah I mean, we'll, you know, talk, but,
0: we'll talk about erskine for sure he's, he's um, he will come
1: up You know, and I got, I mean, Adcock had already had a great, you know, had a really good career, I think, in Washington before I got him. And I was getting a lot of these veterans uh, to go with some of the younger guys that I was getting out of the draft. And and just, I think, put that team together with enough skilled guys, high-skilled guys, maybe not the best guys at any, you know, given position, maybe besides Banks. I mean, obviously, we can argue between Banks and Granny Hamner at shortstop. But, um and I think it just sort of like all gelled once they got into Comiskey, and it just made for, you know, just kind of a, a, a dynasty to kind of hit the ground running in the early 60s. Yeah.
0: So, so in short, what I'm hearing you're saying is that you added cock to the back end.
1: I added cock to the back end. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: I said they were mid table. That was maybe being a little generous because you only had in, it from 51 to 59. There, you were 500 one year and you had three winning seasons. So most years, I mean, you were never horrible. Most years you were fifth or sixth. So usually in the bottom, your peak year was 55. You had some mashers back in the fifties too. You had Gus Zerniel, who was the, he was the, he was the home run champ. You had Yogi Berra. You had Gus Bell, who was a pretty good all-around uh, left fielder. You had, of course, Bobby Thompson. Bobby Thompson, yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you clearly had some good hitters, but '55 really was kind of a turning point because that's the year that you added Banks and Y. Ford, or at least when he kind of debuted, became a, a key guy in your in your rotation.
1: Right, right. Coming back. I think I think we got him out of the I think he was coming back from Korea, I believe. Oh, I didn't want I didn't want to and also the thing I wanted to make note of and from the from the last podcast you know we talked about. I mean you guys talked about uh, obviously that very that very big trade. And you know, I'm sure that if anybody's listening besides the three of us, they would ask, like, why in the world would I ever trade away? whitey ford and mickey mantle it just seems like the most insanely stupid thing to do in the world although i did get some i mean glenn gave me a whole bunch of draft picks and and some decent play i I got don mossy who i absolutely loved in that trade and again was
2: quite good yeah Yeah,
1: yeah. ashburn who obviously i flipped to charlie for i don't know who knows what i'm not sure what what that trade was but Mm -hmm. you know um and but if you look at the if you go and look at the uh teams tab and you look, go down, go way down towards the end, there's a whole lot of information or just like more information than one human being we think could put together. And yet one human being hasn't done, indeed done that, uh, Tim. Um, And you look at the finances of that team in the mid fifties and you see wow. starting in 56, I was in the red really deep. I mean, really, really deep. You could see in 56, I at, at one point had $38 million in cash. But I I lost ten million dollars in profits that year, and then about nineteen million the year after that, seventeen million after that, and like in a couple of years, I was, you know, in five million dollars down in cash and like just sort of hemorrhaging money profits wise and so i think one of you know you guys talked about how mantle at that point was probably one of the highest paid players in the league at like nine million dollar contract
2: yeah Yeah. certainly
1: yeah so i mean i think i think you know part of what precipitated the trade you know was just to unload contracts just to get rid of like high dollar contracts and try to turn the finances of this team around and you know it means much as it hurt to get rid of mickey mantle and I think I'm sure Whitey was probably making two or $3 million at that point as well. You know, it was just, I had to unload guys and try and, 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 you know, and turn the, turn the finances of the team around. And so, you know, that was, I think probably the, one of the biggest if not the motivator for making that trade was just to try and write the ship financially. And.
0: Yeah. And you, and you, and you clearly did that. Cause I'm looking at your expense, your expenses, you were, you had the, the number two payroll, yeah 57 and 58, which is one reason that you, you were hemorrhaging. I mean, you, you lost $35 million over those two years Yeah, uh, with the second biggest payroll in the league. And you were 71 and 83 and then 74 and 80. So basically fifth, fifth, fifth and sixth place, you know, bottom half of the 10 team league, you know, just hemorrhaging money. So within two years, between 58 and 60, You cut your expenses from 72 to 55 million. We're suddenly turning a profit. Your attendance shot through the roof. And then, you know, it's 1960 was the year that you kind of made that big jump to second place. And then I think 60 is the year you moved to Comiskey as well, right? So
1: I believe that's true. Yeah. Yep.
0: And then the year after that, 61 is the beginning of that, you know, six year run of consecutive West division pennants.
2: That is what makes it analogous to today is the, is the financial constraints. Like right now people are making trades that on the face of it make no sense, right? Like you know, pick forty for pick twenty-eight, right? There's no, nobody ever trades down, you know, that was ten me. spots. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, so you don't. Nobody voluntarily trades down, you know, fifteen spots or sixteen spots, but you do it because because of the price differential, right? So, yeah, yeah. so, so it's like objectively these things don't make sense, or like looked at in isolation, I guess I should say, looked at in isolation, they don't make sense, but yeah. but when you get with the financial context, so. Like you said, Chicago lost insane amounts of money. And then also, we had structured contracts. So I'm going to guess that Ernie Banks was also on a huge contract. And how, how can you afford to have two guys making huge? I mean, it's, that, that's very hard to sustain, right? Yeah. So, and in fact, I'm 90, you know, whatever. I was still saying, you know, don't quote me. I ain't said shit, but I'm, I'm 99% sure the reason why Charlie traded Mantle in the first place was because he couldn't afford him, right? Right, So it was like, you know, this, the $10 million contract back then was just a backbreaker, you know?
0: Yeah. So, so so, uh, so I'm looking at 57 and here's, so here's, here's Chicago's payroll, 57. You had Gus Zerniel at 8,800. You had Bobby Thompson at 8,200. You had Gil Hodges, 33 year old Gil Hodges. And, you know, he's a good hitter, 34 home runs. Uh, He was 8,300. So there you you got, you got 24 million, 25 million going to three guys. And by the way, they were all 33 year old, 33 year older. So it was, it was also a matter of getting younger and, and cheaper at the same time on the pitching side, you had, uh, you had Robin Roberts at 10.7 million. Um, Robin. uh, Yeah. And, uh, and then, and then Presco Joe Presco was the next one at 3.6. So, uh, and he wasn't particularly, you know, you paid this guy close to 11 million. He was 14 and 12 with a 4.62. So, um, again, that's partly surely the Wrigley factor, but also you never, you you didn't really strike on like an ACE quality pitcher until, until after that, that era.
1: Right. And this is why we let Penny control the money in this household. Because apparently, I don't know what the hell I'm doing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Know your role, bro. Know
2: your role. Yeah. And then the other thing I would say, is so number one, finances. And then number two, you know, like now it's like second hand for you or second nature, second nature, not second hand, second nature for you to be able to like, oh, I'll make a bunch of trades and the team will get better like that. Like, like that's just what you do, right? That's your game. But it really starts here because- If you look at, like, I think Tim and I talked about 1958, there was only, like, five trades all year, but you made, like, three or four of them, you know what I mean? So it's, like, your whole thing about, oh, I'll just, like, look around, figure out what I need to do, and I'll just make whatever trade I need to make to get it done. Like, that really starts here, dude, because 58, 59, 60, like, there's a lot of Chicago trades in there. So so I think you just basically, again, related to moving – your team related to fixing the finances. And then again, identifying, okay, what do I have to do to build a competitive team for where I'm going? And you just made like whatever it is, three or four trades a year at a time when nobody made any trades, (laughs) you made three or four trades a year and you crushed it plain and simple, dude. So well done, my friend.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I guess that has sort of become my, uh, yeah sort of what i'm known for trying to figure out how to make those (laughs) trades happen you know yeah
2: that's your mo dude
0: yeah
1: you just got to whisper in their ear long enough and eventually they'll give in to you there
0: you go shall we go into
1: 1962
0: sure all right so i'm just going to read from the playoffs tab because it occurred to me uh that the season summaries basically already exist so why not use them right so Brooklyn, again, cruised to their sixth straight division title, finishing well ahead of the surprising Detroit Griffins. So apparently Detroit came in second in 62. Uh, Superba scored a record 907 runs, led the league in runs for the eighth straight year, and led the league in the fewest runs for the sixth straight year. Granny Hamner won his fifth batting title and fourth MVP, establishing new records for hits, 217, 52 doubles. Mickey Mantle bounced back from an off year to lead the league in RBIs. Luberdette led the league with a 214 ERA and 24 complete games and was joined by Gene, Gene Conley and newcomer Jim Perry with 23 wins. So, another thing to note about 62 so there was an expansion year. So, we added Dallas and Manhattan that year. So, the season was eight games longer, went from 154 to 162 games. So, um, keep that in mind that some of these records are because of those, uh, you know, eight games longer. And also, it's an era of four man rotation. So, wasn't that unusual or unheard? I would have four, uh, three 20 game winners. Um, so moving on, it says the Colts staved off a late challenge by the expansion Dallas Texans to win the West by four games. So they had a bit of a, a pennant race, led once again by the bat of Ernie Banks, who hit 323 with 31 home runs, 113 RBIs, the pitching tandem of Billy Pierce and Don Mossy who were 25 and six and 21 and five. So, uh, But the Colts lost. Carl Erskine to a career ending injury in July and and suffered for it as the club's pitching again suffered in the World Series. So you had Carl Erskine. So this is where we should have, we should talk a little bit about Carl Erskine. Erskine was probably the first dominant pitcher in, in the league. So I just have some Carl Erskine stats for you. His career record was 184 and 80 a winning percentage just under 700 he has a second best winning percentage of all time i think conley is the only one ahead of him Dude, that's um, incredible yeah so his peak years were with washington he, he was a key part of the key cog in that in that other than willie mays he was really the key cog of those washington dynasty years and i just want to highlight um a, a four-year period he had there between 55 and 58 so in in a four-year span he put up a record of ninety nine and twenty seven. If you average that out, that's like twenty five and seven. 43. I mean, that's all right. Yeah, that's yeah, all right. That's all right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he's ninety nine and twenty seven over four years. So how many? So guess, how many Cy Youngs does he win during that four year span? The answer <laughs> is the answer is one. No. Right?
1: I was going to say zero. Yeah, oh,
0: yeah. okay. okay. there was yeah. Gorman, there was Antonelli, there was Con- there was Conley. He was always like the second best guy, but fifty eight he did win the side cuz i think he got pissed off in 1958 he was 26 and 3 with the 211 era so he and so the voters like all right okay you can get the Cy Young this year. That's but
2: dude, the thing is, correct me if I'm wrong. He wasn't even the best pitcher on his own team. But I thought Stu Miller was the ace on the Washington. Yeah, you're
0: team. right. He you had Stu Miller. He had uh, Jansen. Yeah. Jan- yeah, oh, um, that's right. Yeah, Jansen was yeah, so, really good. So yeah, you know there were a bunch of studs. So you know maybe someday we'll do an episode on the Washington teams. But um, seriously, bro, they were amazing. So, yeah. So he yeah. So he probably peaked at 58. But but then 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 you look at 1960 which is, I think, the year before he he came to Chicago in 1960. He had 25 complete games, and he pitched 359 innings. So he's basically, he's kind of like the uh, Durker of of the 50s. So when Chicago gets him in 61, it's his age 33 season. You're figuring, okay, this guy's averaged 25 wins. He's pitching 300 innings a year. He's only 33. So you're good to go, right? So, um, and it worked out well in 61, he was 19 and nine. And then in 62, he was 13 and six, 2.63. So his ERAs went up a little bit, but still pretty dominant. And then he has that career ending injury in, in July. And and maybe that was one factor in the race becoming a bit closer.
1: I I feel like at that point, you know, people weren't making a lot of trades, but as is since people like tends to be the case now, I mean, guys tend to, you know, if you can give them youth, And you can, you're willing to take, you know, guys starting to get older away from that. And that never was anything that ever stopped me from a trade. I mean, it's like, you want to send me your veterans? I will take them because I believe I can, I can assemble enough of them together to have, you know, to have a pretty decent justice league to fight with. So, you know, that was Erskine. And, uh, you know, I think I, Pierce had come before that. Um. So I mean, I was again. I, I I'm sure it's on some level too. I was just, you know, I mean, you look around and you see the dominance of of a team like like Brooklyn or Washington, and you're like, okay, well, how am I going to match that? It's like, oh, well, let me get as many you know aces as I can to try and compete with what's what's happening. I'm sure that was part of the part of the thought process there, which is like, let me, if, you know, somebody's going to have three aces in the top of their rotation, I got to figure out a way to match that. So, you know, and I, I guess I seemed like at that time, the era of the UL, I was one of the people who was willing to make trades to make that happen is willing to try to give up whatever, to make that happen. You know? yeah. Well, dude, Uh, your
2: Billy Pierce trade was amazing. I mean, that was amazing. Right. I mean, Billy Pierce was like, he was was like the best left-hander of the well, I guess Antonelli, but after Antonelli, he was maybe the best left-handed starter,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, but again, like so you look. I think when I got him, he was in his mid-thirties, maybe. I see. I see. Yeah. I, I feel down like, down. He, yeah, I feel he'd already had a very good career before that, you know. So yeah, it was yeah. one of those things where people were willing to.
0: He was thirty-four when you got him. In, thirty-four.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, and just people were willing, you know, to trying to put them together with with whoever else I had on my team, or people I drafted, or whatever it was. I mean, you know, one of the things it's like as, as horrible as as Tom Sturdivant was in the postseason, he was actually a really good pitcher. Like he was a regular season. He was a solid, solid, he was a solid, I mean, particularly in that rotation, he was a solid number three, you know, or certainly he was, I would say an above average number three and, Mm -hmm. and certainly above average, any spot below that in a rotation. But so it's like when we when we get to these World Series and it's like, you know, it's why do you keep pitching this guy who keeps shitting his pants? <laughs> you know, it's because like during the it's like, how do you say no to a guy who's winning like 19, 16, right, 17 yeah. and you know, games a year for you? It's like he's proving himself to be a solid pitcher. He just somehow like yeah. just could not do it in the postseason. But we'll, I'm sure we'll get them more yeah, of that.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh so, the
1: turd. So
0: I have a so just another note on 1962. So Glenn wrote in a season summary, apparently Blue Burdett apparently had an injury down the stretch and Conley just apparently slumping. So Glenn wrote this piece at the end of 62, like a premature obituary, uh, you know, doom and gloom. You know, Burdett and Conley are are, are damaged. There's no way we'll win. So the, the, the article was called Burdett and Conley, the Lost Boys. He wrote, uh, Burnett's misfortune is straightforward, having suffered an injury, severely limiting his effectiveness that's certain certain to run through the upcoming World Series. On Conley, you noted he had a career-high 11 losses, and he'd gone two years without winning any individual hardware, so basically implying that 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 Conley was washed up. Yeah, so. if he can't win this Cy Young, how good get Kizzy, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> So, just for kicks here, let's see. Um, I'm going to go to the playoff tab and we'll look at um, how Burdett <laughs> Conley did in 1962. Oh, man. You know what? Let, we'll get to that. Let's, yeah, we'll come back to Conley and Burdette. And you also made some big moves. Like you had, you traded away Minoso, Bob Miller, Dick Donovan, and Aparicio. And some of the guys you brought in were Al Kaline, Felix Mantilla, who obviously went on to have a stellar career at both Brooklyn and LA. And yep, some yep. dude named Jim Perry, who you got from Louisville, who I think <laughs> was, he must have been like a 23-year-old. He was a prospect or something, but he got 23 wins. He turned out to be really good, so yeah. Turned out Excellent. So let's go into the series then. So um, the Colts stole one in on the road in the opener. Johnny Roseboro drove in four runs, including a basic clearing double in the fourth as Billy Pierce beat Gene Conley to end his run of six straight World Series win. So Chicago... Um jumping on top.
1: Book it. Book it. Series over. We win. We're taking this yeah, one home. Stop,
0: stop the count. Stop right? it. Stop it. I mean, that's it.
1: <laughs> six to four. That's right.
0: um, stop the
1: stop the steal. Stop, stop the, the steal.
0: steal. Right. There it is. Oh, so four RBI, six to four win. By the way, Hamner. I
1: love that guy. I Hamner love Johnny
0: Rosborough. Hamner's three for four with two RBIs and a losing effort. Mantle two for five. So even when they lose, you got Hamner and Mantle just like you know, run machines. So things are looking good, right? Chicago wins in the Frank. They're up 1-0, not only winning the first game, but winning it on the road. So we go to game two. Uh, Our old friend Whitey Ford is pitching for Brooklyn. Tom Sturtevant is pitching for Chicago. I'm looking at the line score here. Chicago jumps out to a 4-0 lead in the first three innings. So you must be feeling great at this point. 1-0 lead in the series, 4-0. And then what happens?
1: Uh, what happens? We know what happens.
0: Okay, all right. So it says an
1: turd happened. That's S-turd. what happens. Exactly.
0: Tom Sturdivant had a five to four lead in Game Two and was just nine outs from victory, when the wheels fell off and Brooklyn plated a half dozen. To put the game away, 11-5. to five. Okay, so he just gave up six runs.
1: He dropped He dropped not <laughs> one deuce, not two deuces, but three <laughs> he deuces. He's
0: shit the birds, yeah. And by the way, all six of those runs were in the seventh inning, so it was wow. um, Amarose was three for three. Jim Gentile, three RBIs. Uh, Slugfest, though, 24 hits in the game. Ernie Banks, three for four with a homer. Adcock had a couple hits, so Very offensive game. Jim Gentile got the player of the game. So there you go. So Chicago on the verge of going up 2-0. Instead has to settle for 1-1 when it goes back to Comiskey. And here we have Burdett versus Mossy. So Mossy was – I don't know if he was – if you'd consider him your ace in these years, but he was certainly – one of your more dominant pitchers. Yeah, he, he was a really, he was a tremendous
1: yeah. he was a tremendous pitcher. But I mean, like if if you I mean, obviously if Erskine hadn't been injured, I mean, you look at him in a rotation with Erskine and Billy Pierce, and he's yeah, he's yeah. probably a three behind those two guys. But yeah. as they as they aged up, he probably would you know he would have moved up. I I think he, I feel like he was kind of more certainly more of the postseason ace as we get into the later you know the 62 63 60 no sorry 63 64 65 which was the 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 one that I actually ended up winning against Cleveland mm-hmm. he came became more of the ace back you know and at that point but yeah he was a I love that guy I love Don Moss and I'm just and also I love Johnny Rossboro too just the to, for context for anybody out there in real baseball Johnny Osboro was basically the Jason Kendall of his time like like lots of contact and like a catcher who could steal bases. I, I nice. love that dude. I loved Johnny Roseboro. He was, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Craig, Craig Biggio. Arbigio. Well, yeah. yeah without, yeah. not quite the versatility, but yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah okay. So, so,
0: so it's one to one. You've got Mossy on the mound at home. Things are looking good. And you've, fa- fa- you're facing this guy, Lou Birdette, who apparently has an elbow issue. So things are looking good for the Colts. Uh, mm. so let's see what happens in game three. Game three in Chicago, Lou Burdett, showing no ill effects from a strained elbow, throws eight (laughs) shutout innings before nearly throwing the game away. Dick Williams slapped four hits, including a home run in the game's first pitch as the Boz built a 2-0 lead, but Burdett ran out of steam in the ninth, and the Colts rallied, putting the winning run on base before closer Dave Sisler shut the door. Nice. So, So almost, but not quite. Brooklyn got a run in the first, run in the fourth. Dick Williams, four for five. He had four of the nine hits. Player of the game. So Mossy went the distance, only gave up two runs, but he was just uh by Sweet Lou. Who, and Burdett was player of the game. Yeah, I don't remember Dick Sisler. Was he... Um, Me either.
2: That's what I was just going to say. I mean, I thought I had Hoyt Wilhelm, like, my entire time in Brooklyn. Yeah. So. I, don't, I don't remember that guy. Maybe Wilhelm got old. I think he came into the league a little bit late. He was a war veteran, so maybe he got old, but...
0: Yeah, so Sisler had a couple of saves in this series. Um, yeah, now if you look at this thing, so Sisler was the Brooklyn closer for like a decade.
2: I never, I don't remember the guy. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, hilarious. It, you know, that's um, hilarious.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you, he was there from '61 to '68, '60, um, uh, 1962, had 32 saves. That was his career high. For, yeah, he did um, high. Yeah. And this is back in an era when there weren't really a ton of saves going on. That's but, right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we go to game four. It's Pierce versus Conley. That's a showdown for the ages, right? You know, two of the best pitchers of all time. Dick Gernert homered, and Dick and Conley pitched eight point one shutout innings before Joe Adcox homer spoiled his shutout bid. Sizzler saved again for a three to one series lead. So, so this Sizzler dude must have been good. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> he must have been. He must been and,
2: all right. And, yeah.
0: And Dick Gernert as well. Do you remember that? So he was a first baseman, right? Yes.
2: Yes. Now, that guy, I do remember. Yeah, exactly. He was like a high. He would be like a five seven eight, 8", or maybe maybe even a six seven eight 8", by today's standards. But basically, a good OBP, but also a fairly good power lefty poker.
1: Mm-hmm. He should be proud. He had a lot of Dick performing in this, Exa- uh, oh, in this dude, World right? Series. A lot of Dick. Olive,
0: dude. Yeah, I got oh, Dick's left and right. Bro. Dick
1: Williams, Dick Gernert. I mean, man. Yeah. Yeah. Dicks, dicks popping up everywhere
0: <laughs> hey, that's yeah. it was it was the 50s dude you know that's that's, yeah. the, that's the way they rolled um, right i should have only or well, you had just had cocks. so
2: i mean you know it yeah. worked out all right it was a good good series i mean maybe I won because i had more dicks i mean <laughs> that's
1: probably what it was yeah. i was i was only adding cox where you had a plethora of dicks there <laughs> yeah, right, Exactly.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, four-hitter, a, a four-hit, not quite complete game for Conley, but uh, then Sisto comes in for the two-out save uh, after Adcock's homer in the ninth. Mantea was three for four with a double. Mantle was three for three, so the big bats getting it done. But Gernert was the hero with a two-run homer, and Gene Conley was the player of the game. Three to one, Brooklyn leads, so Chicago, their back's against the wall, and... Who do you put to the mound when you're in facing elimination? Well, Tom Sturtevant is the answer. Nice. I want to say that's something I think I want to say he lost of these four series. He lost the the last game like three times. But this is a very special occasion. Game five in 1962. And you'll soon find out why. Um, Game five was a 17 to seven route as Brooklyn scored eight runs in the first inning. Off Tom Sturdivant, Uh, Jim Gentile hit a grand slam in the ninth. So you score eight runs in the first inning, you get a grand slam in the ninth. So (laughs) so, wait, you got eight runs in the first seven runs in the ninth. So you scored 15 runs in the first and last innings. So here's here's Sturdivant's line. He went 0.2 innings, eight hits, eight runs. Only two earned runs, though. Oh, well, I don't know. Oh. What, I don't know where the error came from, but that error costs six yeah. runs. Um, yeah. So just a complete route. Uh,
1: well, it would only make sense if he committed the error, also. Yeah. You know, probably some kind of a throwing <laughs> error or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That doesn't yeah. even makes any kind of sense. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll go with that. Yeah. that.
0: That makes sense. <laughs> Adcock homered in the game. You score seven runs and you get beat by ten. I mean, come on. Just a complete debacle. So for the series, I'm looking at the run totals. It was 36 for Brooklyn, 20 for Chicago over the five games. And the series MVP was uh, Jim Gentile was the series MVP. That's interesting.
2: Oh, that was the guy. Okay, that, sorry. So Gerner, so yep. Gerner was my right-handed guy. So Gentile, yeah, there you go. So yep. Gentile was my six, seven, eight lefty first yep. baseman. Yeah, yeah. Gerner was the right-sided platoon guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So Jim Gentile, he only appeared in three games, but he uh, drove in eight runs in those three games and led all batters <laughs> with eight RBIs. So
1: uh, We had no answer for Jim Gentile.
0: Answer for yeah. Jim Gentile. Certivate 0-2, 14.73 ERA. So we mentioned the last episode, he he had kind of a bad 61 series. Well, 62 was, was even worse. Pierce was decent, though. Pierce was 1-1, 2.65. And for Brooklyn, Luberd at 1 0, 1.04. You know, he only pitched the one game, but. Yeah, he was not great, really, but yeah. It's pretty really solid. All right, so put a bow around 1962. So we'll move on now to 1963, uh, unless you guys have any comments on that 62 series. Uh, <laughs>
1: uh, nope.
0: Was I have to ask Lance, is that your favorite way to lose? Was the 17, <laughs> 17 to 7 route?
1: My favorite way to lose is always <laughs> with an S turd. Yeah. Yeah yeah so a, b- a very big one
0: yeah so the year before it was just a small esther like he lost game five but it was four to one
1: yeah no this was explosive diarrhea yes yeah, yeah. essentially yeah
0: okay so let's move on to 63 we'll talk about the 1963 seasons this is the high water mark of the brooklyn superbus dynasty 115 win season seven ten winning percentage and they win the east by so remember 61 they won the east by 26 games this year they won by 29 games over boston but meanwhile chicago gets their second straight 100 win season and they win more comfortably they win the west by 11 over la peter vase was in command at this point la starts uh,
1: pretty sure this is where the complaining started yeah I'm pretty yeah, sure this is right. this is where the grousing first, started probably this is the first place season. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: He wasn't complaining when he was finished in you know, fifth place.
1: No, but yeah, yeah as yeah. soon as he's like, yeah, as soon as he's close, he can see the finish line. He's oh, got yeah. to have something to grouse about. For sure, we yeah. love you, Pete. Yeah. We love you, buddy. So
0: again, uh, both teams finished with hundred wins. Uh, so the breakout, so the, the key men here this year for Chicago, Don Demeter, uh, had a monster year: thirty-five home runs, ninety-eight RBIs. Ray Herbert.
1: Ray Herbert.
0: Twenty-three wins. This is, and he came over from Brooklyn. So, this is an interesting story. Ray Herbert was on Brooklyn. He had three wins in three years. And then he comes over to Comiskey and wins 23 games the next season. So, that he had a huge, I think he was a young pitcher.
1: So, he was just kind of a breakout year. Uh, So, no, he was 32 that season. So, he was was just stuck. He was just stuck. (laughs) (laughs) stuck Yeah. Yeah. Stuff he was like he was like the sixth starter or the fifth starter on a <laughs> yeah, four right, man right, rotation. Right, right. yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, so yeah, maybe he was the, like the comeback player of the year then. Uh, so it's like Herbert, Massey, event, all had twenty wins. Ernie Banks went won his first MVP with forty one homers and one hundred seventeen RBIs. And the story over in Brooklyn was all about the pitching. Um, Gene Conley finally got his fourth Cy Young after Antonelli won it for a couple of years. Uh, Conley nearly set the record at the second best ERA ever, 2.02. Oh, and by the way, his teammate Whitey Ford had the third best ERA ever, 2.05. Oh, so, that's sick. So yeah. we're in the thir- 13th year of the league, and you have two of the best ERAs ever. And as usual, number one in offense, number one in runs against, 115 wins. Um, I think this is another case of like probably by the middle of the season, it's like looking like round three of yeah. Brooklyn and Chicago. So let's go to the 1963 summary. Brooklyn notched a record 115 victories and won the East Division by a record 29 games. Gene Conley and Whitey Ford had two of the three lowest ERAs in the history and were joined by Lou Burdette in the 20-win club. Offensively, it was, again, all Mantle and Hamner. They both had 100 RBIs uh hamner hit 329 which is actually bad for him it's kind of like c rob after c rob won all those batting titles he dropped down to 330 and everyone's like oh man like what's wrong with this guy
2: (laughs) the best headline on that (laughs) Uh (laughs) the best best headline on that page is Allen turns down moorhead
0: (laughs) oh yeah 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 there's a whole riff there on moorhead yeah uh yeah, he got I mean, Seth Morehead got his premature release. Yeah, there you go. That's a great one. <laughs> right. Our pitching staff could definitely use more head and our batters would certainly enjoy more head in the clubhouse and on those long flights to the West Coast. All right. So back to the season review. So Okay, sorry. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we already mentioned Banks Sturdivant was 23 and 10. So again, as you're saying, it's solid. Mossy was 25 and nine. So Mossy and Sturdivant were probably the one 2 Uh, but here we go. Ray Herbert replacing the retired Carl Erskine has spectacular breakout year after just five wins and four seasons. Herbert was 23 and 12. So yeah, Lance, what do you remember about Ray Herbert? Do you remember even getting this guy or?
1: I don't, I don't remember what the deal was. I don't know what would have attracted uh, him to me. Um, I mean, I, I you know, I don't know if Glenn has any thoughts either since he was it might have been one of these things where again, it's like, you know, in that in that he probably had solid ratings because I mean, if you look at him, I he and he went on and had, you know, several pretty decent years even after this particular breakout year that he had. I'm sure he was just stuck in the rotation behind so many good pitchers in Brooklyn that you know, I'm sure Glenn gave him to me for a song. I don't know of any idea what the trade was to get him. But I again, I, I'm sure I thought uh, what was out there. And again, it's like, you know, we're talking about years where there's very few trades that were happening. I and mean, that might have been just the, just the nature of the league. I and mean, a lot of guys may not have been in, into trading guys away. So like you kind of went out and yeah, tried I, to f- I- find the guys who would make deals with you. You know, yeah, Glenn. I didn't
0: see. I didn't see a Herbert trade at all. He might have just been released because.
1: Ah, um... uh, it's possible. He's one of these older guys who actually still has a history page. So yeah, I signed him as a free agent. At the beginning of 1963 for to a, to a four-year deal for just over three million dollars so whatever that works out to be like you know yeah 700, s- yeah, 700 something a year um yeah i yeah, must have seen something in him that i thought that he was uh, worth doing you know picking him up for so yeah. Yeah,
0: um, because i mean if you look at his if you look at his stats is it looks like his career is mm-hmm. over after 62 right i mean he, he's a washout where la lost a bunch of games gets to brooklyn never plays But then as soon as he gets to Chicago, he racks up basically 55 wins over five, over, no, wait, way more than that. 23, 17, 15, 18. 73, yeah, 73 wins. 73, 75 wins over the next five years. So he was a key cog from like 63 to to 66. And, And he will figure prominently as we go into the 63 series, so again, Brooklyn is the home team again with the with the better uh, regular season records. It's Conley versus Sturdivant gets game one this time, right? Let's, yeah, let's get
1: let get, get the losses over <laughs> early.
0: Gets the nod for game one. It says the Superbus hammered the Colts seven to nothing in game one behind Conley's eight shutout innings. Mantle had four hits, and Jim Gentile had three in the routes. Unfortunately, Sturdivant did not do well in game one. He 15 hits to six, by the way, seven nothing shutout. Conley's the player of the game. Game two is Burdett versus Mossy. So this one's a lot closer. This is a two to one Brooklyn win. It was a nail biter. Burdett and Mossy dueled. Felix Mantia's ninth inning bomb was the game winner. So there you go. Felix Mantia, ninth inning homer, breaks a one one tie. Woo-hoo. Both Mossy and Burdett went the distance. Uh, Norm Cash two for four in that game. That's the guy we haven't talked about yet. Norm Cash. He was another of kind of these power hitters that you added.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was around for that for for that sort of. The, the sort of dynasty years there in the in the 60s. Yeah, he was definitely my sort of my corner piece at first base for for a good portion of these these years. And yeah, just a solid offensive contributor every single year, you know, uh, for whatever reason. I mean, I had a lot of these guys. I mean, if you, if you look at the, you know, individual team stats for a lot of these postseason, uh, these World Series, it's like a lot of these guys who were really good power hitters during the regular season, it just... it, it never seemed to pan out in the World Series. And again, I think about a lot of credit goes just to the rotation of the people they ended up, you know, the pitcher they ended up facing in the series with against Brooklyn. You know, it's just like, in a lot of ways, I feel like these teams, I mean, I think Glenn and I built pretty similar teams. I mean, you know, we had very, very similar ballparks we tried to build, I think we, I think we liked a lot of the same kind of stuff, uh, the same kind of abilities, uh, whether, you know, defense, um, you know, uh, OBP, that kind of stuff. We built very similar teams. I just think like, At a lot of positions or a lot of spots in the rotation, he just had guys that were just a little bit better than the guys I had on my team, and that you know that I think sort of tipped the scales to in his favor in these series because you know, and I mean, the only time I pick pick up a win in this stretch is sixty five, and I just happened not to be playing Brooklyn at that point, so you know, yeah, but Norm Cash, yeah, Yeah, good hitter, you know, but in the postseason, a lot of times these guys just they never really tend to pan out that well
0: yeah i just ran the numbers so chicago in these four world series had a grand total of eight home runs so basically two home runs per series uh and you were out hom- homered 17 to eight uh, and
1: i bet i bet most of those home runs are either adcock or banks probably
0: <laughs> yeah well let's let's look so 61 demeter had your only home run 60 ah, feed,
1: feed demeter good old don yeah. feed demeter
0: yep he's 60- awesome yeah. 63 adcock had a pair and banks had one uh, I don't, uh I don't care. Nice.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That was good.
0: Yeah. Uh 63, you had two home runs. It was uh Demeter and Nellie Fox. And then in 64, your two homers were Hobie landreth and Norm Cash. So there you
1: go. Uh, all right. They got I guess they got spread around a little bit there, yeah. but yeah. You know, Hobie landreth eh.
0: All right. So let's go to game three. Uh, so game three, this was one of the highlights. This might've been of all these four years, four years of lowlights for Chicago, right? So four, four wins and four series, but this one might be the best of those four wins. Ray Herbert continued his breakout year with a four hit shutout and out Whitey Ford in a, in a, Whitey Ford had a four hitter as well. So this might have, this might be the best pitchers duel. In UL World Series history, we had a couple a couple of four hitters, and Ray Herbert comes out on top over Whitey Ford. That's great. Yeah, that's a great game. Yeah, Jim Busby had the the only RBI of the game in the seventh inning.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at that Uh, 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 a single, and then a couple of sacrifice bunts, and then you know a a (laughs) little dinky double, and like you know, hey, we win a
0: game. There you go. Look at that. Yeah, but uh, Herbert, so not only 23 wins in the regular season, but he gets a shutout in the World Series. It's yeah. Pretty damn impressive. Yeah. Uh, okay, so game four, also in Chicago, Conley versus Pierce again. This is the rematch of, what was it, game four in the previous year. So same two pitchers, same result. Conley gets the win. Hamner was four for five. Al Kaline had a homer and three RBIs. So Hamner and K basically had Pierce for lunch. And, uh, Felix Mantilla homered in that one. five to nothing in the fifth. Holtz the never threatened. And then in game five, we have Burdett versus Sturt event. Goddamn
1: Lee Burdett. Um,
0: so this was uh, this game was close, two to two. So it wasn't the giant S turd S-turd of 1962. This is one of those little small S turdlets. It was <laughs> two to two. Uh, let's see what's going on here in, in game five. It says Burdett held the host of four hits in game five, and Hamner hit a solo homer off Sturtevant to break a two to two tie in the eighth. So there you go. Two to two in the eighth. Sturtevant gives up a homer to Granny Hamner, and Brooklyn wins the game three to two.
1: Always finding new and impressive ways to lose. <laughs> Thanks, Tom.
0: Yeah. Uh, so this actually looks like Sturtevant's best World Series to date. He's 0 2 again, uh, but that's kind of a given. But his ERA is under five this time, 4.91. Relative success. Personal yeah, yeah, best for Stewart Event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conley yeah. was a series MVP, 2-0, 1.20. Burdett, 2-0, 1.59. So between Burdett and Conley, what is that? 4-0 with 1.3 ERA. Just no chance. But Chicago hit 185 for the series. Basically completely shut down except for the, the Herbert game. All right, any comments on 63?
1: Uh, No, just other than like, you know, it feels like we, we at least held Brooklyn in check a little bit better. You know, I mean, seven runs in the first game. But I mean comparatively to like seventeen and whatever and eleven and yeah. stop another series. I mean we only we only gave him what uh nine 17, seven, 17 runs in yeah. five games. I mean yeah, hell that's yeah, I mean yeah, that's, yeah, that's that yeah, seems like
0: that's three point four per game, right? That's pretty I mean, It's pretty to You gotta
1: hang your head on something, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And you of course uh you scored one point one per
1: That's game. just bad math. I think. That is true.
0: It is bad math. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Oh, uh,
2: brilliant. That's All good right. stuff.
0: So it's going to 1964. This is the final year of, uh, of the big rivalry. So, one thing I noted when I read the, the summary at the end of 63, Glenn noted that 64 was the last contract year for Hamner, Mantle, Conley, and Burdett. So, yep. those are the four yep. key cogs, right? So, now obviously some of them stayed on with Brooklyn after that, but um, probably going into 64, you're thinking maybe this is the last year you can keep the band together, yep. right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> that could be why I left, also. <laughs> yeah. Well, it could be. I mean, you took over Louisville. This is your last year in Brooklyn. You took over the yep. Louisville Colonels and then yep. promptly moved them to Atlanta after this. So, um, also a note here you traded away Whitey Ford to Washington in the middle of the yep. season, and Whitey yep. went on to win the Cy Young. So, in typical Glenn, you know, at the end of the season, you're like, well, there's no way we're going to win the World <laughs> series as yeah. I traded away the Cy Young winner yep. Uh, yep. midway through. And of course, the usual premature obituary of Burdette. Burdette, he's close to thirty-seven. He was shelled in his last two starts of the regular yeah. season. He's showing his age, so Burdett's clearly yeah. not going to do well. Yes,
1: yeah, so let me let me let me find ways to fall up to victory. <laughs> right, you know.
0: Yeah. So this is the year I did uh, I did sporting news interviews with you guys. So I, I asked Lance if there's a monkey on his back since he's lost three straight World Series. And here's Lance's reply. There's not a monkey on our backs, just a hairy gorilla standing in our way, <laughs> the series title. So, And that hairy
1: gorilla. That, by the way, uh, the, that's not a reference to you, Glenn. Uh, no, I, I, I'm,
0: pretty sorry. Sure, I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> I can't, you can't read that any other way, right? Like,
1: yeah. uh, uh, you know, I mean, it's I've like only seen talking. him shirtless a couple of times. So I, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, I was... Yeah.
0: So, you know, you lose to the guy three times in a row, 4-1, to one, so you might as well trash talk him, right?
1: I, I was just waiting for the hairless gorilla to come along. The hairless gorilla. <laughs> right. yeah. Charlie to come along. I could finally right. get a victory. <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 There you
0: go. So this year, uh, Brooklyn won 105 games. They only won the East by 10. Uh, Chicago actually won their division by 20. So this is unusual that Chicago, it looks like they clinched before Brooklyn did probably for the only time Chicago one hundred and three. So overall, the teams are fairly even the major footnote here is that, OK, well, well, who's this team that pulled within 10 games of Brooklyn? Well, it was Cleveland Barons. Cleveland had a real surge that year. And of course, they would go on to win the pennant uh, in 65 in, in Brooklyn's run. So the other note here was that Mickey Mantle won his second MVP and it was 11 years after his first one. So he won MVPs in 53 and 64. Kind of pre staging I think Joe Torre did something similar about 20 years later. So The big story was Granny Hamner won his sixth batting title. And there's only three players in history who won six batting titles. Ty Cobb, Honus Wagner, and Rogers Hornsby. So that's pretty elite company there. Lou Burdett and Gene Conley combined for 52 wins. Uh, Burdett had 28, and Conley Conley was 24 and 4 with a 1.98. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, that's, that's sick. Chicago, again, captured the West by a division record 20 games over Dallas uh, with a club record 103 wins, led by a trio of 100 RBI men, Ernie Banks, Don Demeter, and Joe Adcock. There you go. And a pair of 20-game winners, Billy Pierce and Tom Sturdivant. Okay, so we talked about – Glenn and I were talking about Johnny Cucks, about how this guy, like, he was basically the fourth starter for a number of years, right? Yeah, yeah. And then um, – and then as soon as after 64 the guy he was the basically the ace of Brooklyn for like 5 years after this yeah he
2: graduated to
0: the top of the food chain yeah yep yeah. so he'll figure in this looking at game 1 here it says it was conley versus pierce again and once again conley got the better of pierce at 5 to 4 brooklyn was up 5 nothing chicago scored four runs in the eighth and then cux came in and got the save Nice. Dick Gernert had a two-run homer. Adcock, a couple of hits. Spanky Spangler, a couple of hits. Nice. Uh, so Gernert was player of the game, 5-4 to four Brooklyn win. So game two is Burdett versus Sturdivant. Where have we heard that before? Oh, and look, Sturdivant has got a 4-1 lead. Maybe this is it. He's finally going to get that <laughs> elusive World Series win. Here we go. Game two, Tom Sturdivant had a no-hitter through 5.2 innings. So Sturdivant's got the monkey off his back, right? No-hitter through 5.2 innings, 4-1 lead going into the eighth. was six outs away from ending a six-game losing streak in the World Series. Instead, the Buzz tied the game, then won it in the ninth when Dale Crandall doubled and Dick Williams singled off Russ Kemmerer. So, so close. Yeah, poor yeah.
1: there seemed to be there, – there, there was just no plan for, for – I mean, other than, like, somebody locking him in his locker. He was going to lose it in the <laughs> first or the fifth <laughs> – or Or the the eighth or the ninth i mean who's gonna find a way to to lose it
0: (laughs) you know any way you can lose yeah he he can do it
1: i should have i should have found the the old hook setting sooner in my uh ootv career i should have known better yeah yeah
0: so what's the phrase multi-useless is the is the phrase
1: oh there you go yeah we can we coin can we can call it the Tom Sturrdevit principle. Yeah. Like he will, like, yeah. <laughs> you know you will rise to your level of incompetence as a pitcher..
0: Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so we go to game three. The Colts finally won uh, in game three rallying from a five to one deficit. So a rare comfort behind when Chicago scored four runs off Frank Smith, who, by the way, has pitched on seven championship teams, four with Washington three with Brooklyn. Uh, they got four. Let's see, four runs off Frank Smith in the seventh to cap a dramatic rally. Ray Herbert threw nine strikes in ten pitches to earn the save. Wow, nice. So, so Herbert making another appearance. So Herbert got a win in '63 and in the only game he won in '64, he gets the save. So. He's turning into your World Series hero.
1: I mean, a hero in, in the, you know, <laughs> yeah. I guess if, you, if you're looking for, to find a hero in these four losses, I suppose you could call him a hero.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, you figured in 50% of your World Series wins. So there you go. Yeah. So Hamner, again, three for four. The guy just hits every single game. Hobie Landreth, two for four with a home run. Adcock, two for three with a double and an RBI. Player of the game, of course, was Granny Hamner. So then we go to game four, uh, also in Chicago, Conley versus Pierce. So these usually shape up to be close games or at least pitchers duels. Uh, This one, not so much. Oh, it says the hapless Colts never had a chance in game four as Hamner and Mantle hit three-run homers in the first two innings. (laughs) And Conley held a host of four hits in seven innings for fifth straight uh, World Series win, improving to 12 and three in 17 World Series starts. So this was an eight to one route. Pierce only Pierce didn't get through two innings. He gave up seven runs. Uh by the way, only three of those are earned. So again, there's some errors in here that are yeah. not showing up on these sheet score sheets. I'm wondering who's throwing these games away. You know, it's
1: I don't know. I feel like there's some sort of black socks uh, thing going exactly, on here. You know, exactly, somebody's yeah. taking a payoff.
0: Okay, so once again, facing elimination, the Colts put Tom, Trusty Tom Sturtevant on the hill in Game Five again. Trusty
1: for a different reason. Trusty trust turns out Trusty for a reason. Oh, he's that, super, uh, consi-
0: super consistent. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <it's>, there's there's <laughs> consistency here. Yeah. It's as so if head I. Head. Tra- it's as if I had traded him to Brooklyn, but he just never left. Right. So he just exactly. stayed here and, and just like won games for them. Be, you know, yeah. while in a while in a Colts uniform. It's
0: like wearing a Brooklyn t-shirt under his Colts uniform. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the uh, yeah. it's the Bill That's Buckner. Awesome.
1: It's the Bill Buckner with the, uh, the 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 Chicago Cubs uh batting glove underneath his uh, Red Sox uh mid or awesome. whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Oh Tom, he yeah. bastard.
0: You turd. Uh so Brooklyn scores in the first they score in the second they scored in the third Jim Busby got an RBI double in the third so it's three to one at least he's keeping it close until the fifth uh when Dick McAuliffe a recent Hall of Fame candidate had a three-run dinger uh as a crushing blow in game five so that made it six to one and basically Burdett sought out from there Burdett had a six hit complete game so six to one loss Sturdivant uh was yanked after the fifth. Ray Herbert comes in. No, here you go. Another the silver lining. Ray Herbert comes in basically after the series is lost, but he pitches four shutout innings to close out the series. So
1: I mean is the slug line for this S turd crushed by Dick?
0: I, I don't know, man. I, I guess Maybe that's revisionist history. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's tough.
1: Uh, if you if you look at the if you also look at the write up, I think he gave up a home run to Dick Williams in like the fourth pitch of the game. Here it says beginning game began in, uh, in auspiciously for the Colts oh, yeah. as lead off hitter Dick Williams home run off of Tom Sertman on the fourth of pitch of the game. Yeah. So yeah, he I feel like Serted crushed by Dick seems by, a, yeah. appropriate. Not 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 just in this series also for for like most of these series.
0: Yeah, it seems so. Uh, so so Esther, he was oh so the good news is he was only oh and he pitched twice, but he only lost once. He was oh and one. So he was yanked in, in game two. It was Russ Kemmer who came in, blew the save and got the loss. So so event was oh and one, six point seven five in this series. You did score 17 runs, but you were outscored 30 to 17. I believe the MVP in 64, Granny Hamner, he was eight for 20, a couple of homers and six RBIs. So McMantle had six RBIs too. So there you go. That wraps it up. So for the, if you're adding it all up, it was in the four series, it was 16 to four.
1: That seems right.
0: Four to one every year.
1: Can we do an epilogue where we talk about the 1966 series where, uh, (laughs) you know, I lost four games to two.
0: Yes. I know. <laughs> yeah well 65 of course the, the i mean the, 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 the there's a happy uh you know the epilogue is that chicago after many years of disappointment finally gets to the world series again in 65 and for the first time you do not play brooklyn instead of facing glenn you face charlie and of course you kick charlie's ass
1: Uh, I mean, I I feel like it was four games to three. I don't know how much of an ass-kicking it was, but, I mean, I feel like that was that the... you won, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, I guess we can call it whatever we want. But, yeah, yeah, in
0: 65, you were down. You lost lost the first two games and then came back, leveled it up, then lost game five, and then you had to win six and seven on the road, and Ernie Banks homered in both of those games, including the game winner in game seven. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Love you, Ernie Banks. That mm-hmm. was kind
0: of Ernie Banks the legend But Adcock was the series MVP because he had 308, a yeah. uh, couple of homers, four RBIs. So. And when
1: you add cock, you're always the MVP. There you go.
0: All right. Well, any concluding thoughts here? I mean, I it's fine. I mean, it was good times. Uh, you know,
2: again, I, I really am a big proponent. I love the rivalry thing i mean i i I also love it when you have really good teams i mean i get the idea of like parody and everybody has a chance i think that's that's fine too that has its place but yeah but again i I really do think so one guy's really good then, then that's great you know give you somebody to shoot for and uh and and part of the reason for moving to atlanta well atlanta was like a decrepit broken down franchise that was the main reason or louisville that's the yeah. main reason i went but but what was cool about going to louisville was then i got to be in the same division as lance and i got to like you know screw with lance there too so so um so that that was fun you know so yeah so it was really good so long story short yeah i, I had a good time like that and and i uh
1: well it looks like we're Yeah. It looks like we're going to continue doing that because now we're after the season, we're going to be in the same division again.
2: Yeah. Yeah, And obviously I didn't know that, but I mean, Uh, that's the outcome. I think that's that's brilliant, frankly. Well, you're in the
0: same division right now. So it's a lot of like, uh, a lot of things is is repeating. So when you won, you were with Boston for what, five years, and then you finally win the world series and then you move, you know, you leave it at the top and you take over a struggling team in the West, which was uh, St. Louis. Right. So, yeah, a, that's you know, right. A lot of a lot of re- repeat history there, dominating the East and then switching to a struggling West team. Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly.
2: Yeah. I just think it's good. And again, sorry for whoever's listening. Yeah. Sorry for Tal- whoever's
0: listening. That sums <laughs> <Yeah>. up. That <laughs> so, sums up the yeah.
1: Sorry. Sorry <laughs> for the three. Yeah. The three yeah. of us who are listening to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Talk, yeah. talk yeah. to well, each other. About I mean,
2: hey, expansion's good because dude, talent is super concentrated. So spread it out. Number one, and then number two, I like that playoff format, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You know, getting more teams in is good. So so again, that way you can have the you can have the dynasty, the hundred plus when team, but other guys still do have a chance. So that way you can have the dynasty and parody best of both worlds right, or right. Aphrodite porn style. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, um, and, and to some extent we've even had that in, in the current expansion era. Like if you look at Manhattan's yes. four, uh, four yes. straight world series years, they only won their division twice in those four years. Right. Um, two other times they came in fourth and it, yes. one of those years they snuck in like the last game of the season, right? So, um, yeah. So that makes it super exciting too, because it really is a second season, right? It's a complete, there's completely different storylines. There's completely, you have a team like Manhattan dominating it no matter what seed they come in, Four 1, 1, doesn't matter what their seed is, they they're they an ass. And then you have teams like San Francisco winning the pennant and then like crashing out early or Seattle, <laughs> right, right. you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it should be even more exciting when we we'll get to six teams. Yeah, I think it's good. And again, all the
2: divisions to me seem to be fairly balanced between like older experienced GMs and, yeah. and you know, newer, right? Newer dudes. Yeah. So it's going to be so, super, super
0: interesting. Yeah, I think it's a good mix. So like, I am really looking forward to it. Any, are there any unsung heroes we have not talked about? I mean, Dick Gernard's name came up. <laughs> I was, gonna, I was I mean, just going to say. Well, Dick
1: Gernard yeah. and Dick Williams name actually come yes, up a lot.
0: Yes, yep. yes.
2: Dudes named Dick, yeah.
1: Dudes, dudes names Dick.
2: named Dick. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: And Dick McAuliffe, you yeah. know, in 64, McAuliffe was awesome. Yep. yep So I think that's a trade strategy people could adopt, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And uh, just a trade for guys named Dick. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I honestly <laughs> yeah. don't know. I can't, I don't know if there was any unsung heroes. On. I mean, <clears throat> we didn't mention his name a lot, but I honestly, I think uh, we mentioned him some, but. Not as much as he probably actually contributed to these four uh, wins for Brooklyn, but I mean, I think the reality is, is that not only did Chicago, but I don't think there was a team in the league that had an answer for Granny Hamner. I mean, Granny Hamner was just a guy who like, whether we was driving in runs, like he was getting on base, he was scoring. I mean, that guy, you just could not yeah. stop that dude. And I think that you know, he had a lot to do with this, not only, you know, Brooklyn winning their division, but also winning the World Series. Cause like I didn't there was I did not have a pitcher that had an it was, had an answer for that guy. Like he was always going to be hitting and getting on base and causing trouble. And it's like you got you gotta you gotta give, you gotta give props to somebody who can do that, like just season in and season out.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's exactly like it's like a C ROB, right? It just gives you if you have the best player in the game. Or one of the best players in the game at a premium position, that gives you a huge advantage, right? Right. I mean, it's just a huge advantage. It's like you. I mean, frankly, your teams. Like, look at your teams. You're always Ernie Banks or Robin Yao, right? You you have the best player at the most important position for 20 uh... years in the league's (laughs) history. So no wonder why you're doing you're doing all right. I'm
1: doing okay. Yeah, Yeah. things are things are going okay.
2: Yeah. So no wonder you make the World Series, you know, eight years yeah. in a row or whatever it is, because Ernie Banks, you, you, you he's like the C Rob of his day, right? So
1: yeah. There's
2: yeah. There's a lot to be said for that. And then Doug Demeter and then add Demeter. Yeah, Dad you know, Demeter. Yeah. The gold glove, or maybe I don't remember if actually defensively he was that good. I, he,
1: but, he was a pretty good outfielder. He's a pretty good center fielder, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right, right. But just the fact that he hit for power, power, power. hitting center fielders like right. so rare. It's like as rare as a power hitting shortstop, you know.
1: So yeah, hopefully that's what Lloyd Mosby is turning. Although who cares? They're not, he's not going to be my Lloyd, Lloyd Lloyd Mosby after one <laughs> right, more season. That's right, so, not your problem. I, in fact, man, I hope he breaks his fucking leg. You know, and like <laughs> oh, you know, has no attire.
0: Holy. holy crap, Jesus!
2: it's getting rude. <laughs> wow. Dude, Dreaming. I did dream about that. So I know I've never, I mean, I just I'm never to have Lloyd, Yount, Mosby, yeah, I'm never gonna have Yount or Mosby. So like I, I dreamed about like, oh Lance, Lance is changing teams. Maybe I'll switch to Chicago so I can get Yount and Mosby access, oh, there
1: you go. right? I mean, no, you do it, bro. You're gonna get I'm I'm trying I'm doing my best to set who set up whoever's yeah. gonna take you. I mean, Yount uh, yeah. Mosby, I think Reigns is finally actually gonna have a good year. He got another offensive yes. upgrade. Yes, yes yeah, yes, or, yes. you know, so Yount Mosby Reigns. Uh, I mean, Johnny Ray turned out to be a very yep, good player yep. at second base. We'll see how yep. Gary Gaetti does it, at third base. I mean, I'm trying yep. to like put a just the pitching is gonna suck, but I mean, I nothing I can do about that now. But unless you're like, you have another like, hey, come to Chicago and you can turn your career around. Talk yeah. to, talking to you, Odell Jones talking to you but no
2: that's that's a real thing yeah no that's a real thing because so i see like you did that a ton of times right I mean, it's that ballpark I mean, that's
1: that ballpark is tends to be a boon for a lot of pitchers you know so it's a bob boon one. it's a bob boon for oh i love i, I love bob boon too yeah. i love that guy yeah. oh good old bob Boone uh,
0: so i found what? granny so i found granny hammer's career world series stats okay so he was in 44 world series games drove in 31 runs so Jesus. that's like Almost two thirds of the of game. That's pretty. Yeah, two thirds, uh, three quarters. Tr- three three twenty two average, base. bases. OPS was nine eighteen. So that's oh, all right. I mean, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, that's like you don't have to show the you don't have to show the rest of his his career stats. Like he should go to the Hall of Fame just based on that alone.
0: But yeah, so the last thing I was going to do is kind of scroll through here and find uh, in the theme of silver linings is kind of find okay who were the best performers for Chicago on the losing side. Each of these years. So Hank Thompson in 61.
1: Hank Thompson, uh, that guy. He was
0: 353, had six hits. Um,
1: Another, yeah, another dude that I got on the tail end of his career on a, in a, either a free agent or a trade deal. Um, Don Mossy was one and oh, 3.38. So
0: between those two guys, um, that was pretty decent. 62. Uh, Nellie Fox hit 368. Uh, and Banks and Adcock both hit three thirty three, and Adcock had two homers and five RBIs. So those are their top performers. Billy Pierce, one and one 2.65. 63, Don Demeter had five hits in five games, and he was the only guy who had five hits in five games, 278. Yeah, so it's looking like 63 was just the complete domination. Only, you know, six runs in five games.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: 64, you had... Quite a few hits 42 hits. Um, hits were quite even. Look at the hits were 44 to 42. Uh, that's just, you know, there's a lot of unearned runs, and that that was 64 year was a 5 to 4 win, a 5 to 4 win, a 7 to 6. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So a lot of some closer games there.
1: Well, I appreciate you trying to find the silver linings. Yeah, Mossy,
0: Herbert, Pierce. Mossy had two wins, and then Herbert had a win and a save. So Mossy and Herbert are the the two best pitching guys. So, you know, we're we're grasping at straws here, but we are finding some solid performances of those uh, 20 games that Chicago played.
1: I I think ultimately uh, for Glenn and I, it was, I think, all in good fun. I mean, I think we enjoyed the rivalry and we still sort of do, I guess. I mean, I don't know that we feel like there's as much of a rivalry now. During that time, it certainly was, you know, again, it's, it was a smaller league, fewer teams. So we definitely were with the two sort of uh a- alpha male teams for a long stretch there and so it was much more of a rivalry than it is now i think it's sort of you know, we've and we've uh, like in real life have also gotten much older so you know we sort of mellowed out about it now it's fun to play and it's fun to have a rivalry or somebody to shoot for but yeah at this point you know it'll be interesting to see what happens with these when we divide the the, the, the league up and a little more uh into different divisions but uh yeah it was uh it was, I think it was, it definitely was frustrating for me at times to keep losing, but, um, uh, uh you know, I thought I was going to lose to anybody. Uh, it, it, happy to have it be Glenn. You oh, know,
2: thank you. Lancey.
1: Yeah. You know,
2: that's nice.
1: Yeah. I'm never yeah. losing to that. Fucker. Charlie qualls though.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm well, that's to- the other, that's the next podcast. Lance yeah. and Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. Corey, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So by the time like I'm 80, I'll eventually it'll be it'll <laughs> be reversed, and I'll I'll, I'll win go. four games to three against Glenn.
2: Dude, we'll have the Havana St. Louis, dude. Like yeah, exactly, kidding, it'll be a punch out every season from now on, bro.
1: Yeah, right.
0: All right, guys. So we'll wrap it up here. Assume the next episode we do is going to be the uh, 1983 season preview. We will get to the long promise kind of finances one on one episode. But you know, you never know what other ideas will come up. Like, we didn't even know this topic was going to come up until about a week ago. So, this is kind of the way it goes. Well, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, here's to fake baseball. Woohoo! Shut it off, shut it up, I Shut it shut it, off, shut it off, buddy. Now I shut